You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. Hey, Mitch! Welcome back to the podcast, Eric Nin... Nin dang it, I knew I was going to mess it up. <laughs> Ninatowski. Ninatowski. You got it. Okay. No worries, man. Good to be back. <laughs> like I said, I think I, I probably said it last time, too. People have messed up my last name most of my life, so I, I get I get the feel. So, um, But, like I said, it's, it, I'm welcoming you back because it's been about eight months since the last time we talked to you, and uh, you have some pretty exciting news. Yeah, I uh, just launched my Indiegogo campaign for my creator-owned book called Shadow Century, and I'm doing the story, doing the penciling, the inking, and uh, so yeah, I got the first seven pages done, and it's looking cool. I mean, the the pages that are up on the Indiegogo page look pretty awesome, so uh, I'm I'm excited for you. <laughs> cool, man. Thank you. Uh, before we get into that, but how, how have you been? Good. Yeah, doing good. Um, gosh, so since last we talked, my, my wife is pregnant with our fourth baby. And uh, it's due at the end of this month. Oh, so, wow. All right. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> Congratulations. Thanks, man. Yeah, we're excited. It's going to be a surprise, so we don't know if it's a boy or a girl yet, but we got names picked out for either, just in case. <laughs> good. Good. I mean, it's a good thing you're not doing any uh, big reveal, like... Uh, presentations where you burn down half of a desert or anything like that right <laughs> for sure uh well that's incredible like what was it like like balancing working on this uh, creator own book and then also family life in in that aspect yeah it's been it's been pretty hard um uh but at this point i mean at least you know i kind of got a head start so that way when she does have the baby um, you know, things are going to get real crazy real quick. So, um, I got a head start and, you know, I can kind of just, you know, uh, do my work as I can and, and just go from there. But, yeah. <laughs> well, it's the fourth, it's yeah. the fourth kid. So it's not, uh, your first rodeo, I assume. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> it should be easier. And, and we have our three other kids who will be really good helpers. I'm sure. So I'm sure of it. So that's, that's, that's awesome news for you. I'm glad to hear that now. How long had you been working on this creator own like idea before you you put pen to paper? Um, gosh, I mean, it's it's kind of like a uh, an amalgam of all the stuff I've ever created or wanted to do, kind of put into one. Kind of, um, you know, I have this is like my my superhero story. I have like fantasy, you know, stories I've created and other things like that. But this is my 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 superhero one. So I kind of just put all the cool stuff I could, I ever created into one, you know, book. And, um, and it's, you know, in this one overarching idea of, you know, it asked the question, what if you had a near death experience and you flatlined 
and you died and you go into the the other side you know the other realm and then you come back and you have these powers uh that you got from the other side and you you bring them into this world and you're able to break the rules that govern our world um so that's kind of the premise behind it and you know they're not mutants they're not born with their powers they kind of they get them and then uh so then they're they're sent off into our world. <laughs> so we, we, I should say before we get too far, the the name of the book is Shadow Century, right? And that's mm-hmm. that's where you're going to be able to to find it on Indiegogo. I'll definitely put the link in the show notes. But I mean, why why that name? Was was there something about? Is there is there a clandestine organization that we're, we're going to be looking towards in the in the in the book? Basically, I mean that you know, I mean I. I I come up with all these different names that run through my head and I'm like, no, nah, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. You know? So, but the, I think it carries the idea that there is this like, you know, um, secret organization that is operating behind the scenes, you know, and, uh, they're, they're kind of out there, um, like kind of like the police, if you will, but just secret police keeping the hell, uh, the hell born at, at bay and all the, the hellish creatures that are, that are lurking. <laughs> so, so yeah. with the I'm, and obviously century they're the you know they're the guardians so right yeah exactly so with with a subject such as this I mean it's very religious if if you if you want it to be I mean afterlife usually shows up in every different religion across the board like is there yeah. any one particular one you're you're looking at or is is this more of an amalgam of a lot of religions like are I guess my big question would be are you a religious man is it is this coming from your background. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the, it's definitely like from a biblical standpoint. Okay. Um, you know, I, I am a Christian. Um, but the book itself, I wouldn't say is like, I'm not touting it as like, Oh, there's a Christian comic. Um, you know, I, I want to be true to the Bible, but at the same time, I'm, I'm not, you know, it's, it's not going to be beating over the head with people with, you know, uh, my Christian beliefs, you know, there'll be that stuff in there, but it's, it's going to be more of just, hey, I, I love comics and I'm a Christian, but I'm going to have fun with this. And I want people who aren't Christian and aren't, you know, religious per se to like this book as well. So it's not like there's going to be my, scripture all over the place and beating your head over yeah. with you is what you're saying, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's I mean, that sounds awesome. I, 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 the One of the covers that you have on the Indiegogo page shows uh, the winged, some, somewhat winged angels so to speak. Yeah. And I mean, the, that alone really sold me on this book. Like I think the iconography that you're using for these images are pretty great as well as the colors. Are you doing the colors yourself? I'm not. No, there's a, a guy I found, uh, he, he, he's going by carbon graphics. Um, and he, you know, that's kind of like a pseudonym and, um, uh, yeah, he does really, really good work. And, and then there's another colorist doing the interiors, but they're kind of working together. One guy's doing, you know, the first round and then carbon graphics is going over what he does and kind of embellishing it, adding effects, things like that. So just, you know, um, making it top notch. So it's coming out really good. That's incredible. So you said you had the first seven pages written. Uh, no completed, like as in drawn completed. Got you. Okay. So you have the whole story written out. Yeah. So the first, uh, book is, is, you know, all written out. I have the second book as well. And then, um, as far as like the next story arc, that's kind of more in my head, but I have an idea of the direction I'm going with it. So, and I think last time we talked about it, you, you'd done, uh, some of the writing before, not just art. 
correct? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've, uh, there was a, a few books. There's one in particular war gun that I really wanted to do a webcomic for, but it was just, it was just so much work that I wasn't able to do it with, you know, my, my other full-time stuff. Um, you know, so there's always been stories and stuff I've been writing for, you know, years and years. <laughs> and, uh, that's why I'm excited to do this and finally get it out there. Cause you know, it's, you have stuff that you work on and that's mulling in the back of your mind and to get it on paper is, is incredible. It's really right. cool. Right. Right. So when you're between the, the art side and the writing side, like how do you find that balance of what you need to, you know, stop with the writing and then get to the artwork? Yeah. Good question. Um, I kind of do it very loosely. So I leave a lot of room for kind of on the spot, like, you know, I'm going to try this instead. Um, I kind of think of it like I'm a director where mm-hmm. I'm given a script, but it's like, I'm totally open to changing it on the fly. Um, and if I feel like I could do the page differently, add a panel, take away a panel, um, I'd, I'd do that. So it's kind of, you know, it's loose, but I do have a, a good, the dialogue is kind of like my, my map. So it's like, I want to get that dialogue in there, but if there's a, a good way to tell that story as I'm doing the dialogue, then I'll, I'll change it if I could think of something better, you know? Oh, okay. That's awesome. Yeah. On the fly seems to work. I mean, especially since you're both the artist and the writer. <laughs> it, right. <laughs> so I'm hoping that it turns out well. <laughs> so when you're coming up with stories, uh, like where is it that you're pulling from? Are you Are you pulling from your own background? Are you pulling from you know, other stories that you've, you've read this thing, things that you like, you did say, you know, this was super, this was the superhero story that you wanted to tell. Like, yeah. Where, where, where do you dive in for that creativity? Um, it, it probably all goes back to like what I grew up with, you know, reading image comics and all that stuff really inspired me. So, um, but you know, as soon as I started drawing, uh, in gosh, I started drawing in elementary school. So, as soon as I started drawing, you know, the creative gears started turning and me and my friends were coming up with our own heroes, coming up with our own uh, stories and stuff. And, you know, we always wanted to do stuff with comics and, you know, we'd always be joking with each other like, oh, man, it'd be awesome to do a comic together and do this mashup and have these crossover events and all that stuff. So um, very, very early, you know, just kind of come on, coming up with, you know, my own stuff, my own characters. And so you pull from everywhere. You pull from what you really like, um, comics or movies, whatever, you know, truth be told, there's really nothing new, uh, you know, under the sun, but we come up with, you know, what we like and, and try and be unique and, and a, tell in a different story, package it a different way. Oh you know? yeah, definitely. Definitely. So, uh, I mean, obviously as the, sh- the shadow Sentry implies, it's a team. Want to give mm-hmm. me a breakdown of some of your, your main characters there? Yeah, for sure. Um, so first off we have the, the commander, if you will, his name is commander noble. He is indestructible and he, he's like a military guy and he kind of got his powers back when, right after 2001, when the, um, nine 11. And so he goes into the, the, the Marines and then he goes overseas and like, he's in this battle and he gets blown up and thrown into a wall and he's, he's knocked unconscious. And then he wakes up and he finds he's bulletproof. So he's just, you know, going nuts. Um, and that's kind of the, the story that you see on the Indiegogo campaign, like those first few pages that, that guy there, that's commander noble. Uh, but he just, he goes by Robert because at that point he hasn't really, he's not commander noble yet. He's just, you know, normal guy, Robert. Um, so that's him. Uh, so he kind of, uh, 
uh, is the leader of the team, but then there's also Brazen, who's kind of like the second in command. He is the sword-wielding gentleman that you see on the, the covers there. Uh, he has speed, um, or I'm sorry, he um, strength, speed, stamina, that kind of thing. Those okay. are all heightened for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, very good fighter. Then you have Glare. She harnesses the, the power of light that kind of just emanates from her, her very being. Um, but with that light, she's able to penetrate people's minds, kind of speak to them, change their mind, you know, read their mind, things like that. Uh, you have Ganon, who's the gun-wielding fellow. He's kind of my favorite. <laughs> he is very much inspired by Grifter. I loved Grifter growing up, so he's he's my Grifter character if I had one. Um, but he has, like, you know, homemade weapons. He has a very punk rocker style, so I, I want to bring that out. And, um, yeah, and then there's Deke, who can fly really fast. He's kind of like a cannonball-type character. Um, and Cogent, he's the big dude, big black guy. He's a football player, so he's naturally big. That's not his strength, although he is strong. But he can um, harness momentum, so he can absorb, you know, kinetic energy, kind of, and then force it out at will. That's awesome. I love that one. Yeah. So <laughs> I believe that. Oh, and then Mitzt. I almost forgot Mitzt. He's the guy in the cloak, and he's kind of like a. I don't want to give too much away from him, from him, but he's a very cool uh, character who can teleport but also has kind of like mystical abilities as well i love that i mean yes don't don't give away too too much we want we want people to go and uh jump on the indiegogo and get and get your book but uh you know what is it that these particular characters did they did they all become super powered at the same time or is it at different points that they passed over and then came back correct yeah so it'd be at different points in time Okay. And, uh, and I forgot to point out that Ganon, he's the only one that isn't like a highborn. He's he's just a normal guy like you and me. Oh. Um, but he, so he knows, he, he kind of joined the team because he knows Noble and was in the, the military with him. Um, so, but um, but yeah, but all the others, just different points in time, you know, became highborn. Um, and, you know, going back to Noble, he he's in the military and he gets his power and then, like, they want to experiment on him and find out, you know, why why is this going on? They want to make more like him so they have these super soldiers or whatever. And um, so he ends up, you know, escaping basically from them. And the high, the Hellborn kind of take him under their wing, like, you know, help him. And then he falls in love with this girl called Valora, who's kind of like a witch. Uh, she's a Hellborn. And they have a child. And that child becomes the main focal point of the first story arc. And so you have a child of a Hellborn and a Highborn. And so it's like, okay, what's this kid going to be like? What's he going to do? Is he going to be the one to help save the world? Or is he going to be the one to destroy it? Because he's, you know, they're thinking this kid is going to have so much power. Um, so he's kind of like the focal point of the first story arc. Now, is there a uh, is there a determining factor of whether or not you become a highborn or a hellborn? Um, so that, that would be definitely, you know, more of a, a biblical Christian perspective where it's like if you – don't believe in God, you die, you're going to hell. And then, you know, vice versa, if, it, if you do believe when you go to heaven, you know, that's how you become a hellborn and a highborn. So there's definitely that distinction, but um, yeah. And then is there, there's a, I assume, like I said, don't give away anything you don't want to give away, but I assume there's some type of determining factor of who gets to go, come back and why they, be, um, they get to come back. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess that's, that's kind of up to the the people in charge. Okay. <laughs> you know? All right. Fair. Uh, heaven hell. Um, but yeah, but, but you know, there are reasons behind it, but, um, 
But yeah, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> okay, I like that. I like that a lot. So, so our highborn are our heroes. Our hellborn are our villains, so to speak. I mean, I guess other than uh, sure. Val- Valor, uh, uh, Valora, Valora. Yeah. Um, so. so, is there a main bad guy? Because you know, villains sell a book sometimes. For sure, yeah. Uh, so the, the main bad guy, um, who is actually on the pages I'm I'm working on now, actually, uh, he kind of appears in the second scene. His name is Martian. Um, he is, Martian actually means firstborn of Satan. Ooh. So he is, you know, that's why I like that name. So I was like, that's perfect. So I'm using <laughs> that. It's um, he's like the first one that's been turned um, and brought back. And so he he's very powerful, very old. Um, and he creates another character called Bloodbane. Um, I don't want to give too much away. Although I, he's a really cool character. <laughs> but you actually, on the Indiegogo campaign, if you scroll down to the bottom, he's there's a picture of him as well as Vengeant. Uh, Vengeant is the other main bad guy who is, you know, he kind of, Martian sends him out to do his dirty work. Um, he His power is that he... Like when you're fighting him, whatever strength, whatever rage, whatever you know you're coming at him with, he absorbs that and just brings it right back to you. So, you know, um, he's he's a very very good fighter and just you know uses basically your strength against you. So um, there's also Hopscotch. She's a uh, she has like a schoolgirl look and basically she teleports. She like draws portals with her finger and she teleports. Um, who else? There's Ember. Who's basically a fiery ball kind of guy. Um, looks like a burnt crisp, but his name is Ember. And <laughs> there's fusion and fission. Uh, you see them in page two and three on on the Indiegogo campaign. They kind of they can fuse together and make this one big huge man. Ooh. And I'm trying to think who else? Torture. Uh, Torture's in the first few pages, and he kind of he gets a different look. So I, I wanted to do something with him where. You, you see him in the first few pages, he looks one way, but then later on when you see him in the, the, the rest of the book, he's got this totally crazy look uh, that's that's totally different because he gets injured and, and they need to, to rebuild him. So. so then let's go ahead and, I mean, since you're the artist as well, let's talk about the designs of some of these characters. Like the first one that's up on, on the page is, is Brazen, like yeah. on, on the Indiegogo page. Now, what was the thinking behind that? You know, you have the large shoulder strap and, and, uh, uh, utility belt there. Yep. Yep. Uh, so for him, he's kind of, again, just pulling from all the stuff that I loved, you know, if there's something I really enjoyed in a character, I was like, all right, I could use that. Um, but he has this huge, you know, um, shoulder pad, kind of very reminiscent of Shatterstar back in the X-Force days. Um, but, um, yeah, and then the rest of it, honestly, was just kind of what would look cool. I didn't want to – obviously, I'm not going to steal everything from Shadowstar, but <laughs> I like that that huge shoulder pad. And um, I oh, I really like the blue and red color scheme. Yes. Um, don't know why, so I kind of went with that. And then just um, – yeah, the big sword is actually – you know, if you're keen enough on looking at stuff on the website there, you might realize what, what that sword is, but um, – you know, he's got this really cool mystical kind of blade. Uh-huh. So. <laughs> I, I think I see what you're throwing down there. <laughs> uh, but so, but uh, face wise, like, what when you when you're coming up when you're creating faces, what is, what is it that you do? You research looking through pictures of a bunch of people. Do you just 
go off of memory of what you want it to look like? It's kind of, yeah, like um, I think of age, you know, how old is the guy? Um, I'll try to try and like match him to an an actor. Like if I was going to make a movie, who would actor would I like to play? You know, that character type of deal. Um, So I'd say he's like a a cross between like a Brad Pitt and like a, um, I don't know, not Channing Tatum, Channing Tatum, whatever, however you say his name. <laughs> but, you know, like just that, that he's the leader, you know, so he's got like this nice, um, he's got manly square face. Jaw, um, yeah. But yeah. And then the rest is just like, okay, do you want, do I want him to have short hair, long hair? It's just kind of whatever vibe I get from the character. That's kind of what I go with. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, so, I mean, I love the, the idea of, thinking about uh who like uh, a star that you might want playing them. i mean because I, I i definitely from the picture i get a younger mcconaughey from it kind of look okay yeah <laughs> all right how about cogent now we we have a lot of uh armor on the on him and it looks a little cybernetic maybe yeah um i because he's like a big guy i wanted to give him for me the main thing with him was the gloves okay. so the, his gloves are like enormous so his hands aren't really that big but i wanted him to have this appearance of just he's huge um and so um the gloves were kind of like one of the the focal points when i designed him but uh the the look on the chest and like the shoulder pads that was just kind of just toppings, you know, on the cake. I'm like, all right, let me just give him, make him look even bigger. Um, but the the outfit, I would say, is is, uh, I really love Mark Silvestri and how he kind of designs some of of his characters, especially now. Like he's got all these just crossing lines and all that kind of stuff, and so I, he's kind of like inspired by by Mark Silvestri's you know, design look. Um, so yeah, but that's why he's got like all those crossing stuff going on and and all that. Now I love the fact that you brought back the anti-mask, so to speak. Like the mm. the the gambit, you know, shows the face, but the rest okay. of the head is 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 closed off. Like you, you don't see cool. that too often anymore. Why why did you decide to go with that one? Um, just uh, I'm with you, man. I, I like those old school masks. You know? <laughs> um, I don't like those. Uh, I although I did. Um, gosh, I forget what it's called, but it's just the mask over the eyes. Uh huh. I forget. I forget the name of that, but um, the Domino Man. I was doing some some designs for this guy for a board game, and he wanted like all these characters to have that mask, like just over their eyes, like that old school like um, Riddler kind of mask. And I was like, ah, I kind of kind of like that. So when I designed Fusion and Fission, um, I gave him that mask, but then also kind of covered the rest of their head with you know um, like a an outer mask over that. Um, but yeah, so I, I just I like masks. You know, I like. You know, there's nothing like a Wolverine mask. You like, it's hard to duplicate that. Yeah. Um, Rob Lightfield has tried numerous times. Yep. Like Brigade and all that stuff. <laughs> like, come on, man. It's like, you can't rip off Wolverine. It's just, um, so, you know, you try and come up with something a little different and just use it in a unique way. Uh, okay. So then we have Deke, who's your cannonball-like character. Yeah. He was a fun one. Um, I, I had a hard time coming up with like a cool look for him, but actually... Uh, we live in San Diego and we went to SeaWorld and um, we we're watching one of the the dolphin shows or something. And this guy had this wetsuit on and just a really different, really weird pattern, you know? And, and so I was like taking pictures and I went back home and I started doodling, you know, sketching out stuff. And I'm like, I really like this kind of unique 
uh, concept. And you, you really can't tell too much from the, the images, you know, so far that have been done. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd have to like see my sketches, but the, the orange of his uniform kind of wraps around his arms and wraps around his legs a little bit. So oh. it kind of comes from behind and then you see it on the sides. Okay. Um, and then, you know, it's kind of like in the front. So you can't really appreciate it too much yet, but you'll, you'll see more of his look. Um, but you know, kind of a little armored up on the forearms, uh, on the, the shoulders and stuff, but he can fly really fast. So he's, you know, if he's hitting something or going through something, you know, he's got to be protected. So that's the idea there. Uh, Mitts, your cloaked character there. Yeah. Uh, can't say too much about him. That's right. Um, <laughs> cause he's, he's got a very unique thing about him, but I'll kind of leave that. Uh, but yeah, just the, the, the cloak is purposeful. It, it hides something. Um, but yeah, he's, I, I gave him like a mystical kind of look, you know, he's got the gauntlets on his forearms, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so. So then uh, let's go on to Ganon then, your human character. Yeah. yeah um, so I I wanted to do something more like punk uh, rocker style. And his inspiration actually came from a guy I went to art college with. Uh, his name is Bob. And he's had this like punk rocker style that I never saw before. Just like, you know, zippers everywhere. He'd like sew stuff on his jeans. He'd put like, you know, clothespins everywhere and just, you know, like it became him like he, he would just do whatever he wanted to his clothes. And like, it was just like his signature, you know, but very punk rocker. But, um, you know, I was like, I, you don't see that in comics really. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to do this punk rocker dude. And, um, you know, just kind of make him very unique in his look as far as clothing and, and style. So, uh, he's got the bandana, the aviator glasses and stuff, which he'll always have, but, but his clothes are always going to change and he's always going to have like this cool punk rocker style throughout the book. I, I love it. Uh, then glare glare. She is, um, gosh. Yeah. Her design was hard as well. Um, just trying to be unique, trying to, I didn't want her to be too, you know, being a highborn. I was like, okay, she's not gonna be super risque. She's not gonna be showing, you know, right. all kinds of flesh. And so I just, you know, I want to come up with something unique, but that looked, you know, powerful, but you know, yet modest and, and appealing. So, you know, hopefully I did a good job, but you know, she's, she's, you know, the light that she emanates, I wanted to be able to, to kind of play with that as well in her look. So she's got the kind of, um, the flowing things on the side, you know, that I could, I could mess around with. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so that's, that's what I came up with. <laughs> she was a difficult one. And then so, I, I, so then Captain Noble or Commander Noble, yeah. I'm sorry, my bad. Yeah, yeah no worries. Um, yeah, so he's, uh, gosh, I wish I had a, I could show it to you, but no one else is going to be able to see it. But there is a sketch that I did. Um, here, let me, let me see if I can pull it out so you can kind of, there it is. So, um, he's got this cool looking Eagle, um, thing on his shoulder. Oh I yeah. I just wanted to do something with an Eagle. Um, but it's like a shoulder pad, but it's an Eagle. And then the rest of them just kind of like military style, a little bit inspired by like, you know, some like anime with the, the cool vest with all the magazines and everything. Um, but yeah, but definitely manly got the beard going. He's got the beard going. He's got, he's got, he's weaponed up quite a bit. I, I love that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, kind of inspired by cable, but I'm, you know, trying not to do the huge shoulder pads and everything like that, but just kind of like more of a, 
he's indestructible. So, you know, the padding is more just to hold all of his gear mm-hmm. rather than protect him, you know? So, um, but yeah, I, I love drawing gear and weapons. So with, between him and Ganon, they're like where I get to unleash and just unload <laughs> and do all my, all the gear and stuff. So now, not that you have to take this into consideration, but uh, since you and I met each other at a convention, do you take yeah. into account when you're designing these characters of what in the future someone cosplaying as your character will have to do to to cre- recreate it? Um, not really. Um, I do have a friend though whose daughter is heavy into cosplay, and she was like, you know, I'd love to help you promote. Like, can I can I dress up as one of your characters? And um, you know, so at that point, I was like, oh wow, like kind of thinking in that direction, but, uh, beforehand, not so much. Um, but you know, you, you kind of hope and as you're doing this, just that they're unique, you know, right. that they would stand out and that it would be like, Hey, that's, you know, that's the dude from shadow century or whatever. So, um, just that they, they make, you know, an impact on people. I mean, I, I, they're really great designs, so I can only imagine, Hopefully, someone doing some uh, cool cosplays for you, and and I'm sure it will happen. <laughs> that would be cool, man. Um, was there anything that you found to be super difficult when you were creating these looks in in any one particular character? Um, hmm. I'd say overall, just to you know, be unique. Um, like I said, you know, it's it's hard. It's really hard to come up with a new design um, for a character when you've been reading Marvel and DC like all your life. Right. You know, you're just used to those characters. And so, you know, as I'm creating, it's like I want to I want to distance myself, but yet kind of give a tribute or homage to those characters that I love. Um, so I just say just being original and just, um, you know, uh, trying to come up with something new. It's 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 really difficult. And so for all the characters, really, I mean. You know, you see kind of like you can you can look at some of the character and be like, ah, yeah, that reminds me of so and so. But just getting far enough away where it's like, ah, there's somebody new there, you know. Um, So I'd say that's just the hardest thing. Did you ever difficult for me? Did you ever find yourself going in one direction and then being like, oh, I need to back off from that particular look or aspect? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, Trying to think who more so. You know, for for Ganon, because I love Grifter so much, um, it was like, all right, don't do the mask. You can't do the mask. <laughs> don't you know, so it was like, all right, I'll put a bandana on his head. That's as far as I can go. Um, but um, gosh, who else? Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I can't really think of anybody else right now. But that, That's fair. No, I mean, I, I would understand that, like, if – if you were really into Grifter and you 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 said this character was kind of you know reminding you of or at least an homage to it, then you you your 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 mind could start going that direction. And you'd have to pull back. Did For you sure. did you ever yeah. find yourself in not so much in that aspect, but find yourself quote unquote painting yourself into a corner with any any of the storylines or uh, artwork or anything like that? Um. Hmm. Not too much with the story, you know. I I think it's 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 different enough and unique enough that it's kind of like, um, you know, it's its own world to play in. So I don't have to really um, worry about that too much. Um, maybe with like little things, you know, in the story, like how I present it, you know, can be like, oh, he's ripping from, you know, whatever, you know, when X Men fought the, um, 
the Shi'ar galaxy, you know, whatever, things like that, you know. Um, but, but yeah, it's all just um, trying to come up with something new. And um, yeah, uh, so hopefully, you know, I hope everybody who reads it thinks like this is new, this is unique, and is not like, oh, he's totally, you know, I don't want it to remind people of other stuff that they've read, you know. You, you want to give them something new. Like when you go to a movie, you want a new type of movie. And it's not like, oh, yeah, I've seen that before. So, right, right. I mean, the, yeah. So you proclaim it or you at least describe it on the, on the Indiegogo as a Matrix meets the meets the X-Men. So yeah. why, why those two properties? Um, X-Men because it's a superhero book. And then the Matrix because it's like a... Um, it's like a world that we all recognize, but yet there's something totally off from it or, you know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. I, I want to open up people's eyes to like this new reality of, Oh wow. There's like, you know, these hellborn and highborn walking among, among us, excuse me, in our world. And um, so, you know, kind of like that, that play on two different dimensions kind of deal. And then um, obviously the supernatural twist is just, it's, it's all about supernatural kind of stuff. So, you know, there are angels, there are demons, and there's, you know, the the um, the veil has been pulled over our eyes, and we're we're about to realize like how how things are playing out in our world. So, <laughs> I love that. I love, so, if I can ask you about this, and you can told me, tell me to to go get off the subject, but the road to doing a creator owned book, like, what does that look like? What how how does that start? Yeah, um, I, I'd say you know. Thankfully, it's gotten a lot easier, you know, in the past, you know, five, 10 years with, you know, the advent of Kickstarter and Indiegogo, you know, and even even like Webtoons, even web web comics, you know, you can have your own thing, your own property, and you could start just start doing it, you know, and um, as long as you have the time and the money, you can, you know, make something new that's available for people. So, you know, web comics, comics are great. They're free. But it also, you know, enables a creator to get paid for their for their time and their their effort. Um, so, you know, for me, I've obviously I've always had all these stories and everything, and just I have some other guys that I know who are doing the Indiegogo crowdfunding stuff and are doing really well with it. They're successful, and so I was like, you know what, I'm going to give it a shot and just um, give it my best shot. Come out guns blazing and and hope everything goes well. And um, you know, the, the nice thing too with with the crowdfunding doing the Indiegogo is you don't necessarily have to front all the money. You know, there are books that are already complete and they're just trying to raise, you know, printing costs. You know, I'm kind of doing it where I'm getting as much done as I can. And if the book does get funded, then I can, you know, complete it. If I don't get funded, then I'm going to have to put it off a little bit because I went as low as I possibly could with raising the money. And, but if I don't hit that goal, then I'm kind of, I won't be able to financially complete the book. Does that make sense? It does. And that, that's kind of what I wanted to ask because you, you have a fixed goal of $10,000 on, on your Indiegogo. Yeah. I mean, if I, I, cause I, honestly, I am completely oblivious to, you know, what goes into making a comic book or distributing one yeah. more to speak. What, what is the $10,000 for you since you, you, even you said that's your bare minimum. Like what, what's, what does that get you? Um, so, and down the bottom of the, the page, I do have like a little bit of a breakdown of, um, colors, letters, um, all the different, you know, artists, you know, I had the three variant covers, um, you know, I had to pay for one of them. Luckily the other two guys were nice enough. Uh, Mike Miller did it for free and, 
Matthew Weldon gave me a really low cost price for that. Um, I had to pay the other guy. So basically everything I've done so far is just out of pocket. Um, but, and then there's the printing costs that'll be, um, you know, once the book is complete, I'll have to do all that. So that I think adds up to, I think about six, $7,000. So that left over 3000 basically pays me for my time. Um, you know, I'm not working for anybody else right now. I'm just doing this full time. So it'll pay me what I need to live and support my family. <laughs> and then, um, but again, if, if I don't hit that goal, then it's like, cause the book is probably going to take about four to five months, roughly, you know, more on the four month side, but, um, during those months, I'm not getting any more income. So I need to, you know, um, use that money to, to support myself while, while I'm doing it. So I have to, I went with a fixed goal because if, if I can't hit that minimum, then it's like, I can't be. So let me explain it like this. If I do the, the flexible funding and I don't hit my goal, then I'm going to get the money, which may only be like, let's say $8,000, but I still have to complete the book in that four month time period. And I just, I can't like support my family doing that. So I did fix goal. And if I don't do it this time, I'll just, you know, I'll push it back to, you know, a different time and get more pages done and, and just launch it again in the hopes that, you know, I can raise the money that I need to. So yeah, if you, if you get the, your fixed goal, then you wouldn't be doing any commissions at that time or anything like that. You would, you'd be focusing solely exactly. on the book as opposed yeah. to if you didn't, then you would be having to make money. You, you have to be able to support your family. It's understandable. Uh, yeah. when you say once, once you do get, you do hit your fixed goal and you go into the printing, like how, what is the, do you know how that uh, process works? Uh, the printing process. Yeah. Like as in, um, as in from you, your side, not so much the machinery and all that, but like if, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I have, um, you know, I've, I've done like printing stuff. I've, I've had prints done. I've had ash cans done that I've kind of all, I had to do, you know, the formatting, get that all set up on my end. So I kind of a little bit of experience with that. Um, I also, my, one of my first jobs, I was working for a publisher, and I'm still in contact with him and he's going to be the one helping me with the printing. Um, so he's kind of gave me, you know, the, the technical stuff that I need to make sure that the pages are formatted properly and stick to that proper size and all that. So, you know, there's, there's a lot that goes into it that, you know, you don't necessarily think about. And some guys, artists just like sit down, okay, I'm going to draw pages. And then they submit the stuff to the, the printer or the publisher. And they're like, dude, your page format is all off. <laughs> and they need to go back and reformat all the pages. And, you know, you have like a, a quarter of an inch that's not is <laughs> it's not reaching the edge of the page man so you know um i do have a little bit of experience with that so and then what how long does that that usually take like after you've submitted it and it's all formatted correctly like when do you get the the final product in, in your hand um it all depends on a on a comic book um it's going to be outsourced most likely so it could be you know um maybe four weeks um, I have a local printer that I work with for all the other little stuff that I do, but doing these books, I'm going to have to do a bigger order and I'm also going to do a different printing process than I would do. It, I'm not doing the direct, um, what do you call it? The, um, gosh, I can't think of it right now. It, it's not going to be digital printed. It's going to be, you know, um, the CMYK, uh, full, full color. So, um, yeah, so I haven't really done that yet, but you know, again, I'm working with my friend who's a publisher, and he prints stuff all the time. So I'm kind of leaning on him a little bit for that, but I'm sure it'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. So 
after that you have you have books in hands you have you have the boxes are you are you going to conventions or you know to 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 hawk it so to speak or uh (laughs) for sure yeah uh you know if if we'll see how things go if everything goes well there's a chance i might have it for comic-con for san diego comic-con this year if i did that'd be amazing that'd be awesome so i would definitely be selling it there um and yeah I'll, i'll have it you know, wherever I go, definitely from now on, because it's my baby. I, I want to get in as many people's hands as I can. Does does it go into Diamond Distribute distribution or whatever? Like, I don't know. Does that does creator own books go in there? You can. Um, they do have if you if they're not going through a publisher uh, like a DC or IDW, whatever, um, they have some different rules. So it needs to be a certain page count. Um, if you're under, under like, I, I want to say under 60, like it needs to be, it needs to be under a banner that they would recognize like, okay, we know this publisher, you know, but if you don't, it's kind of like, who are you? We don't know you. So it has to be like kind of a thicker format, I think over 60 something pages. Um, and then, then it doesn't matter. They'll, they'll publish it or distribute it for you. So, um, yeah, so they do have some some guidelines that you have to stick by. But so basically, once I got let's say two books under my belt, then I can do like a trade with you know it'd be a gosh ninety something pages, and then that'd be no problem if I wanted to do that route. Um, so I'm kind of like when I get there, I'll, I'll deal with it. But right now, I'm just right. want to get the books done and, and funded. So speaking of conventions, have you have you been still on the circuit? You've still been going around, or you just been focusing on the on the book? Yeah, I had my last, or excuse me, first uh, of the the year last month, uh, the end of February. I went to the Amazing Hawaii convention. Oh, nice. Yeah, so uh, been going there since they started. So that's been that's been a fun one, and have been able to take my wife there a few times and make a little vacation out of it. So that's been cool. Um, but yeah, my next one, I'm not doing any this month, but next month I'll be at WonderCon. Uh, I'll be doing Phoenix again. Okay. Yeah. So yep, I have I have some lineup lined up. And uh, we'll just you know, take it as it comes. And so then, you know, I, I'm sure we we talked about it last time. But what what's what are you doing in your free time when you when you need to disconnect from the book? Um, man, just go spend time with family. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's either it's either work or family right now. Just because I'm I'm like I feel like I'm constantly working. So if I did anything else, my wife would probably hate me. <laughs> or get mad at me. Um, I mean, but yeah, I, I understand. I, it's hard pregnant. to balance. <laughs> you know, the family and the work. Um, and so, yeah, it, my kids do baseball now. Baseball season just started. So I just, they had practice today actually. So I went, um, went and saw one of them. My wife did one of the boys cause they had totally different times of practice. So my wife went to one, I went to the other and, uh, took some of my work there while I was sitting and watching and drew, drew there. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, it's, it's a balancing act, but I, um, I would usually go to movies and stuff just to unwind. That's kind of like my, my go-to when I need to just veg out. Um, but honestly, I haven't been to the movies in a while. I think the last movie I saw was with my wife. We saw the 1917 movie, which was oh, amazing. I love that movie. Literally one of my favorite movies of all time now. Really? That's awesome. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. yeah. So, so when you're sitting, you're sitting at, at baseball practice watching your, your son or daughter, was it son? Son, yeah. Okay, son, yeah. son play baseball. My daughter does ballet. My two boys do baseball. Yeah. Fair. Uh, do you in your drawing? Do you do you incorporate your family at all in your books? The images, I guess. Um, 
No, not not a, not yet. I haven't uh, done that. But um, well, actually, now that you mention it, um, so my first son, uh, his name is Avon, and I, I wanted to name him Avon because I have this character who I created called Avon, and it's uh, the book is called Avon's Quest, mm. and that's like my that's my fantasy story that I created. So, you know, it's it's about a boy who stumbles upon this sword and goes on this crazy quest and uh, meets all these characters. So. Um, I was like, all right, if I have a boy, I want to name him Avon. Um, so yeah. So in that regard, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but not so much the, the likeness of any of your family. No, although I, okay. I, I have done my wife, um, before we had kids, I, I drew my wife into the, one of the books I did called hand in the morning star. Uh, you know, when you have those images of the, the newscaster, you uh-huh. know, and, uh, so I, I drew her as one of the, the news ladies. <laughs> oh, okay. That's fair. That's fun. That's fun. I mean, I, I don't know what it, I, I know the other artists tend to do that, but I don't know how, how does, how does your family usually react to something like that? How's your, how did your wife react to you, including her in the book? Um, you know, she was a little, um, gosh, uh, embarrassed, but you know, she didn't mind. Okay. It was just like, <laughs> oh gosh, kind of deal, but, um, no, she was totally fine with it. And my kids would probably like go crazy. They'd probably love it. So, you know, if I had the opportunity, I'd probably fit him in the background of one of the pages of the Shadow Century. Or <laughs> so. so, with the Shadow Century, when you know how how far out do you have that world built in your mind? Um, I'd say at least I'd say at least three story arcs. Which, if it were comics, probably like you know getting close to 20 books, mm-hmm. you know, 20 issues. Right. Um, yeah. And then, yeah. So then once from there, you know, you just kind of start, keep building, you know, on, <laughs> on what you have. And, but I do have, you know, there are other characters that come into play later on and, and those characters, you know, if I wanted, I could totally make a, a whole new book, you know, new title and, and kind of do an offshoot. So I do have things like that, that I could totally do. Um, in the second story arc, there's the XI hunters who, uh, and the XIs are what the, the government calls the hellborn and the highborn, you know, they're, they're extraterrestrial or extra intelligent. And so they, they dub them the XIs. Um, so the XI hunters, they, you know, it's like a military band that they put together specifically for hunting down these guys. And wow. that I could totally do an offshoot of that as well. I, I, I dig that too. That, that sounds pretty cool. Like, do you have a giant Charlie Day pin board somewhere with all these uh, different <laughs> things connected by string? No. no. <laughs> so I've got tons of sketchbooks and and folders and you know images and and stuff like that, and then Word documents on my computer with all the everything written out. And <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. So I mean, is it that? Do you have? I guess, do you have like pieces of this world that are going to be, that are just there for you? Like you, that you don't yet have any plans to incorporate in any sort. You just know that it's there so that it helps to reference back to, so to speak. Um, hmm. or does everything Probably end up not. on the page? At, at this point, I think it's all like in my mind and it's like, okay, I've, I've kind of solidified what I want the core of the story to be. So then anything else is just kind of like, you know, I've gotten rid of it already and, um, and stuff like that. So, yeah. Do you, do you find there's anything that particularly helps you to, when you're sitting down to write these stories to create that, 
that you need to go in. I think last time you said you didn't, you usually try to be in a quiet room. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of, I need to hear like that, my, my, my own voice, you know, um, cause it, writing is really hard uh, for me, you know, just the, the, the dialogue, um, you know, just coming up with something that doesn't sound corny, doesn't sound, you know, so, so basically I'll sit there and just kind of like play it out in my head and like, you know, listen to the conversation and be like, oh, okay, that works, you know, write it out and then just read it over and over and then edit it 25,000 times. <laughs> um, you know, since a lot of, comic, yeah. since a lot of comic book is, is dialogue, do you ever enlist people to read, read it out loud for you or do you just, just do it solo? Um, I haven't, I haven't sat down with anyone per se to hear them read it for me. Uh, what I do is normally just, I'll send it off to a few guys and be like, Hey, read this, tell me what you think and just bounce it off of them and kind of let them read it at their own, you know, like if, if they were going to read a comic and just, just say, Hey, okay, like this is working or, cause I, I want to know if I'm, if I'm missing something, like, is there a disconnect? Like if people have questions after they read it, like, yeah, I, I don't get why this is happening or, or why, you know what I mean? If there's something that I, I haven't put down on the paper that is like, cause in my head I have it all up here, mm-hmm. but am I getting it down on the paper correctly? That's kind of like what I want to find out. Right. If there's any of the gaps that you know are, are, are there, but someone else might be missing. Yeah, exactly. Fair. So, uh, what about when you're drawing? Do you, do you, use anything specific for reference uh like do you pull out gray's anatomy medical book or do you <laughs> go straight to uh i knew i knew one guy because i used to work at a blockbuster and mm. he would come in and rent uh spider-man over and over just because the the poses were really good i guess the mm. toby mcguire sam raimi poses were really good so he would use that over and what about you yeah. do you particularly go to any any so reference? I, I do have a, a like a small library of books, um, you know, muscle books. I have like a pose file, it's called, for reference. Um, honestly, I'll only pull it out if 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 I'm struggling with something. But typically, I'll, I'll just just kind of go for it. Um, I'll right there on the page, sketch it out, you know. And and if I just can't get you know what's in my head down on the paper, then I'll have to pull out something and. You know, it could even be, you know, um, perspective, you know, like, gosh, why, you know, why is this scene not looking right? You know, so I'll go back to like a perspective book and just say, you know, back to the basics, like, what am I missing here? Kind of deal. Um, but yeah, I, and I'll definitely use reference if I'm doing like a, like a big cityscape or something. So I'll go, honestly, I, Google is like my go-to. So I'll Google it, you know, see if I can find an image that is matching the perspective or the angle I want, and then just, I'll print it out or I'll just, you know, copy and paste it right onto my Photoshop document. And then I can just kind of, I could either, you know, blue line it, like print it out in blue line and just basically ink over it. Um, you know, so it's, it looks right, but it's like, I'm just inking over this, this picture. So I've gone that route. Um, but whatever helps me okay. you know, get what I want on paper. Very cool. Um, that, that actually was a, brings up kind of an interesting question that I think, I think is interesting at least, uh, <laughs> the setting for shadow century. Is it take yeah. place in a real life city? Does it take place in a city that you made up? It takes place in Philadelphia actually. Um, so it is, it is, uh, present day. It is real world. And, um, 
I chose Philly because so I, I grew up in New Jersey and um, but whenever I went to Philly, I was just like it had that really cool historical feel to it. You know, it wasn't as huge as New York, um, but, it, you know, a lot of the same elements and stuff. And but just I love the the history of, of Philly and uh, the uh, city of brotherly love. And the Eagles are there. I'm an Eagles fan. So, okay. you know. <laughs> oh, and then the architecture. I loved the architecture of Philly. Um, you know, the the back alleys of Philly were just cool. And then, um, you know, just like different levels and like stairways in between the buildings and just, you know, just little things that you notice and you're like, that, that would look super cool, like in a comic and um, uh, things like that. So I always had a, an affinity for Philly. And so that's where it takes place. And the first part of the story takes place in New York, actually. But then, you know, once we get to present day, then it's we're in Philly. So do do the the highborn or the hellborn after they 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 come back? Do they have longevity? Like, can you have a person from the 30s that is still alive now or quote unquote alive fighting for the shadow century? Um, sure. Why not? <laughs> okay, I, that's, I'm, I'm just, I was curious. I just know if, uh, yeah, coming back, or not whether or not made them immortal. Right. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of, it, it's funny you mentioned that, but I had, I had something like that I wrote in the book where he's like, you know, no, no, none of the Hellborn are immortal per se, but they're, they just, they do live longer. So, um, yeah, they're not, they're not like, gonna be here forever it's just they their power kind of lets them you know stick around longer so and it, again it depends on their power if you know somebody like you know deke from the highborn his power is to break the laws of momentum and gravity so his his power isn't necessarily going to be to like not grow old it's just going to be you know um to break those laws but there mm-hmm. are characters who their power lets them to break the laws of you know let's say time or aging so okay so Back to the, the to the setting, um, was there ever a time when you were not going to do Philadelphia? Were you going to like make up your own city? Like, you know, what's wh- I guess the 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 question is is like, where does the decision to make a metropolis come in as opposed to just using New York City? Yeah, um, I guess i i wanted I wanted the world to feel, you know, like I wanted to feel real, where it's like. It's not, oh, it's in this made up place. Like I wanted to, to, to kind of hit home. Um, so that way, like the characters, the the heroes, it's like, okay, like, yeah, they're, they're real people, you know, um, they like, you know, the X-Men, um, they're, they're not born with these powers. They're, they're given these powers. So, you know, to just, to make it relatable, you know, to people because the X-Men, everybody relates to the X-Men, you know, they, they're real people, they have real plot problems and it's like, you know, but when you, think about a, a Superman and a metropolis. It's like, eh, that's kind of more made up. It's yeah. a little more <laughs> further in the, you know, so, um, you know, I, I like that aspect. And so I wanted to stick with something, you know, a little more real. Okay. So I guess, uh, what was the, when, when you're trying to tell somebody what's the elevator pitch for, for shadow century, I, I'm pretty sure we've gone over it already. Uh, but what, what was your elevator pitch when you were telling people about it? Uh, just that, that it's an X-Men meets the matrix superhero team book with a supernatural twist. Um, so that was like the most concise I could get it. Um, and then if I go further than that, then I just, you know, tell them, Hey, 
what if you had a near-death experience, but when you when you came back from the other side, you brought a piece of eternity with you, and then you're able to break the laws that govern this world, and you became a superhero? Like that's that's kind of like you know the premise behind the the book itself. I mean, it sounds amazing. I I hope everybody goes to the Indiegogo page and you hit that ten thousand real quick. Uh, Eric, cool. it, it's been an hour, man. Thanks for for coming on here and telling me about this this project. Uh, uh, it sounds unbelievable. Yeah, man, no problem. Thank you so much for having me on again. Thanks yeah, appreciate. It. <laughs> sure. Uh, when do we? How do they find it on Indiegogo? Just look up Shadow Shadow Century. Yeah, you could just type in Shadow Century. Uh, you can go to my website, ericmontowskiart.com, and the you know one of the posts will have all about the Shadow Century. I'll have a link in there for you. Um, there is a Facebook page dedicated to the Shadow Century, just Shadow Century comic. If you type that in, it should come right up. But um, yeah, probably the easiest way would just go to uh, the Indiegogo and just type in Shadow Century. Sounds great. All right, so... Uh... If you want to get a hold of me, I'm on Twitter. I am at Mitchipedia, G-E-M. G-E-M stands for Geek Elite Media. The rest of Geek Elite Media is at Geek Elite Media on Twitter, at Geek Elite Media on Instagram, and Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Media is our Facebook page. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on our website, geekelitemedia.com. But until next time, this is Hey Mitch on the Geek Elite Media Network saying, always remember to geek Geek out. out. This concludes our broadcast. Peace.